Folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, September 28th, 2021, and this is episode 2963 of the Survival Podcast. This is a landmark episode for me. 2963 is not a significant number in of itself, uh, but Dr. Ron Paul is a significant person in himself. And Dr. Paul is a huge part of why TSPC exists and has existed and grown into what it's become over 13 years of doing this. I uh, get the honor today of interviewing him, and I got the honor to actually tell him that as well, and he was quite gracious about it. So I'm going to have Dr. Paul on in just a bit. We're going to be talking about liberty in the modern age, and we're going to be talking about the things that we can be doing as individuals and, and how we got where we are and why Ron... Uh, at age 86 now, is still daily doing the Ron Paul Liberty Report, daily still sending out this message, and why overall, mostly, he's an optimist about the future, uh, despite some things we both find very, very disturbing. Anyway, this was a highlight of an interview for me today, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. We'll have Dr. Paul on in just a minute. Before we do that, I want to tease you for tomorrow. i got two things to tease you about for tomorrow. One is our guest tomorrow. Doc Bones and Nurse Amy will be on tomorrow, so we're going to be talking about survival medicine tomorrow. That'll be cool. The other thing I want to tease you about what's going to be coming tomorrow is a contest. But you can't win anything from me. I'm doing this for a friend. As you guys know, I went fishing yesterday. I, I didn't go fishing. When you go with Omar Cotter from Luck-O, the Irish uh, Guide Service, you don't go fishing. At least most of the time, anyway, you go catching you go catching. And that's what we did yesterday. We went a-catching. Uh, we, uh, Me and a, and a buddy named Buddy. It's <laughs> the real thing, a buddy named Buddy. We uh, knocked out uh, 50 sand bass, 25 apiece, which is the legal limit here in Texas. Yeah, about a uh, two-hour trip is really about how much time we spent on the water actually fishing. And um, we had to look around for them to find them, but once we did, I'd say we probably knocked out most of that in about an hour and ten minutes uh, where we limited out. We went and did a little trolling for stripers, but they weren't making it happen for us. So we headed in, and uh, Omar has always uh, filleted our fish and, and packed us up, and I had a beer with him, and then my buddy went back to Oklahoma, and I went back to my place here in Texas, and it was a good day. And how would you like to do that? How would you like to do that and take up to three friends with you for free? Well, <clears throat> I'll have the details tomorrow, but basically all you have to do is subscribe to my buddy Omar's uh, YouTube channel. And if you win that trip, you'll also rent, win a really badass fishing rod. And then some other things are coming when they, they get to another level. But all the details, how to do it, pictures from the trip, everything will come tomorrow. Just teasing you on it today, but I'm telling you, even if you don't live in Texas, it's worth the trip down here to spend a day fishing with my buddy Omar. With that, before we, uh, and you know, Omar's not a sponsor, he's just a friend, and I, I had a great time with him yesterday. And I, if I can share Omar with you guys, I want to do it. On the other hand, we do have sponsors of this show, and they help make the show available for you Monday through Friday, five days a week. Sponsor today, number one, is Ridge Wallet. I love the Ridge Wallet. It is my favorite way to minimalize in, in my modern life. I was not an easy sell. Uh, a rep from Ridge Wallet contacted me about three years ago said, i got two companies I rep for. I want you to look at both of them. And I was like, I don't really know if either is going to work. It's going to be Ridge, but I'm not sure. They sent me some product. 
I emptied out my billfold. I took all the stuff that didn't fit in the Ridge wallet, and I put it on the shelf, and I put the billfold next to it. And I put the stuff that fit in the Ridge wallet in the Ridge wallet, put the Ridge wallet in my pocket. And I said, I'll carry it for a month. And I'm not cutting my leg off. I mean, I can always take that stuff back, put it back in the billfold, and go back to the old way. Never went back. Three years now. Well, it'll be three years in January. Three years, and I don't have to worry about anybody stealing my identity off all those little RFID chips they have and everything now either because it's shielded with the Ridge Wallet. It's a better way to go and a safer way to go, more secure way to go. Check them out today at the Ridge Wallet at RidgeWallet.com, and they do a discount for MSB members. Next up, Backwoods Home Magazine. Magazine I have been reading since 1993, and I've been a subscriber to since 1994. 1994. That means... In 2024, it'll be 30 years that I've been a subscriber to this magazine. So what is it, 27 now or something? That's insane. Uh, so when they wanted to be a sponsor of the show, it wasn't hard for me to say yes. That's, that's pretty easy one to say yes to. Check them out at backwoodshome.com, and you'll understand why I've been reading them for so long. With that, let's get on into it. Uh, again, this is a big honor for me. and uh, I'm not saying TSP would not exist without Dr. Paul. I'm saying it's possible that it wouldn't. There, there was a couple things in my life in the early mid 2000s that changed a lot of things for me. Going as far back as it was, 9/11 was part of it, and it sent me back to understanding more about the need to be home and stop traveling and taking care of my family. Right after 9/11, that spring, uh, the next year, I planted a garden. I hadn't planted a garden in years. I've had a garden pretty much every year of my life since then. Um, so that was a seminal moment. Uh, nowhere near the influence on my life that Dr. Paul is, but Glenn Beck, right about the time I started TSP, was occasionally, if I'd hear him in the mornings on my drive to work, would mention things like, just store a little bit of food and talked about a little bit of preparedness stuff. Not a lot, not enough, but it was like, that's the only interesting thing I've heard on the radio today. Maybe somebody should be doing this. So that was a big influence. But Dr. Paul... Somebody sent me, I believe it would have been around 2006, a little like mini YouTube documentary thing about Dr. Paul and his work and his life and his integrity. And I went, wow, look at that. A politician that's not a jerk, you know? A politician that actually means what he says and says what he means and does what he says um, and is walking the walk. And it, 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 it made me dig deeper into libertarianism, which over time brought me all the way to the world of voluntarism or anarchism, depending on how you prefer to call it. And in the middle of that, not at the beginning of it, in the middle of all that, TSPC was born on June 20th, 2008. And this is, you know, it's, it's fitting Dr. Paul was an obstetrician, right? He, he, um, You know, trained professionally to give birth to babies, to help women deliver babies. And he delivered a lot of babies in his life. Um, he kind of also helped give birth to the Survival Podcast. And on that, I'm very excited to say, Dr. Paul, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Good. Nice to be with you today. I I'm really excited to have you on. I've been doing this show for about 13 years now. And I just wanted to let you know, kind of from the get-go, you were a big part of it. Um, I discovered you back in the uh, like early mid 2000s, and uh, it really pushed me more into my journey of libertarianism, and that led to this podcast. and And we've been doing it again now for 13 years. And without you, I'm not sure that it would have happened. Oh. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but it may not have. You know. Congratulations! You're participating in dealing with the problems we have. 
And that's what we are. We're, we're a solutions oriented podcast. You're a solutions oriented guy. I'm really impressed at how much you're still doing at this point. Uh, how many years after retiring from Congress and what have you. And we're living in a time, Dr. Paul, that is one of, to me, being about 50 years old, one of the most deter- disturbing periods of time I've ever lived in. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, uh, a few years senior to me, what is the most disturbing part of how people in government have been responding specifically to COVID or anything else uh, in our modern day? Well, there's a lot of choices there. Uh, and I, I share your concern because I, I remember, uh, you know, a, a good portion of the 20th century. I remember uh, parts of the Depression, the tail end of the Depression, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and I was in the military. And uh, then, then I came up to having all those wars in the Middle East. So, so I, I've seen a lot of, of that and, and, and been concerned about it all. And uh, a lot of people shared those concerns. I mean, I was drafted during the Cold War, and, and uh, I thought that was a serious problem. <laughs> you know, I was in a residency, and they took me out of my residency, and there were missiles in Cuba. And you don't, didn't know how scared you should be, but it was, it was dangerous. But now it's different. We, I don't think we have faced that same danger, but I think the problems are every bit as serious. Uh, and I, I see it differently because I see it more as a cultural and moral crisis that we have, I have now. Uh, I've always been skeptical of uh, government in all ways and the CIA and the FBI, but right now I think, uh, more and more people are starting to realize how powerful they are and going through and I've been sort of fascinated with uh, reading reading about uh, you know the Kennedy assassination and uh, that makes me realize you know how how inept the people themselves are because uh, the uh, the secret government is is a big deal and I've been following that for a long time the secret government of the uh, of the Federal Reserve System and money and try to understand that in a historic sense. And uh, I tell you, those problems are worse. So, you know, the loss of our liberties probably it's at the greatest threat, even with all those wars going on. And we always lost liberties during wartime. Sometimes we recovered a, a little bit. But I think right now it's uh, it's uh, it's really bad and it's very dangerous because I think we're morally bankrupt. And I think that leads to a financial bankruptcy and then a distortion of the economy. And it leads to these unbelievable deficits. And we're, we've been trained, uh, our country's been taught by, uh, by economists and, and people at our government-run the, uh, universities teaching this stuff, you know, and it's a religion. You know, the deficits don't matter. And uh, the only thing that matters is political power. So under those circumstances, I think I feel less secure and I think our liberties are uh, endangered. Yet at the same time, even just a few minutes ago doing my report, I usually try to end up by saying people are waking up and you can wake up. It's conceivable, but you better prepare for the worst. But I'll tell you what. I work on the assumption that people who can and will and should, but I don't do it with thinking, boy, if I just could get back into Congress, maybe they'll listen to me. This I, I, I never had that idea before I went to Congress or while I was there. It, it's just that that isn't where the action is. The action is reaching people, doing things like you're doing, to reach people and try to explain things to people 
because I think it's an educational effort. That's why I'm a strong supporter of the Mises Institute in any any institute that's going to teach free market uh, uh, economics at the same time, the protection of liberty. You know, the the problem with, you know, what you're saying there is that the enemy is more within, I think, now than it was in the past. I'm, I'm right. Like I said, I'm younger than you, but I remember the 70s and 80s. I remember duck and cover drills in school. I remember this idea that somebody, you know, from thousands of miles away might drop missiles on us. And, and that was scary and it was a problem. But it seems like we are our own enemy at some level at this point. And when I say we, I don't mean necessarily people tuned in today, but we as countrymen are. And it, it gets to where you feel like, you know, can this ever be, you know, voted out of or whatever. So what do you think some of the tangible things people can do to start taking their power back are like, you know, possibly things like strategic relocation. I, I don't know why anybody lives in California or New York right now. <laughs> there's, there's, there's all the other options are better, even the ones that suck, right? So, like, what are some things people can be concretely doing to reclaim their liberty? Because I, I'm all for waking people up, but I'm also not willing to wait for the, enough of them to wake up, if that makes sense. Well, the, the people are going to wake up and want to reclaim their own liberties. You and I, what we have to do is re- reclaim our liberty the best we can. Uh, so that that is a is a major major job, and the uh, the chances of us doing it by ourselves. But people have to have leadership, and they have to have principle. Uh, the one thing about you know the time of our revolution, and and most revolutions are led by a few people, both bad and good. They only need five or six percent of the thought leaders saying this is this, this is it, and then they rally the troops and and. Uh, and, and get them to support these ideas. They lie and cheat in doing this. But uh, governments don't exist without the support of the people. So we have to have people, and I think uh, that's why I like to read a lot about uh, the mentality, the intellectualism of our founders of this country. They were pretty smart people. Uh, they, they wrote a good document, but there's some short, there were some shortcomings from the beginning with the, with the Constitution. But they were, they were brilliant more than, compared to everybody else, they did a great job. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it held up for a good bit, but it's really gone, gone down mainly because the people haven't had concern. But I like the idea that it's an intellectual battle. We have to deal in principles. We have to have leaders expressing these views, and then we have to galvanize people. And this is why I have this grain of optimism, what's going on. Like even today, I had two or three examples on my program where people are saying enough is enough. And one place, I think it was in Italy, where the police were out there to stop the people who were resisting and disobeying the government. And they took their helmets and their guns off and later and joined the, joined the people who were dissenting, you know. And uh, you just have to encourage people not to submit. I love it when people go to uh, a school board meeting, sometimes by themselves, sometimes with a group, and they stand up, you know, to the bullies, you know, these political bullies that write these laws and the people are sick and tired of them. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, there was just one recently where the uh, where the school board threw up their hands and yelled and screamed. They got upset and they finally had to stop the meeting and leave. Uh, so it's getting people to stand up for what what they should be, because there's a lot more people who believe it. All they need is a little bit of encouragement. But we still have to have leaders that will stand up and say, this is what we have to do. And uh, 
hopefully we can keep this momentum going in the direction of saying this has been crazy stuff, especially this last year or two, you know, with no re no respect at all for civil liberties, no respect at all for any sensible economic policy, no respect. Of course, this has been going on a long time for other nations. Uh, the empire has to end. And uh, those were the kind of things that uh, I found college students uh, were very open to. Uh, and they used to accuse me of being anti-military uh, because, uh, you know, I didn't want the wars. I didn't want to finance them. And it, it turns out that uh, in my campaign, I got more money from the military than all the other candidates put together. So uh, and I didn't even know that would be the case. So uh, I think you have to understand what you believe in and make sure that it's defending for me, uh, defending the principles of liberty and and when the, you can use the Constitution for that purpose and economic policy, uh, use it. But you got to get people excited right now. I'm trying to get people ex excited that don't submit, don't submit, stand up to them and uh, do it in a peaceful manner. And uh, and others will join. So there's the numbers are not too devastating about people who are sick and tired of all this. So one of the things that's been really disturbing to me lately has been the COVID vaccine mandates. And, I mean, you can say vaccines are good or bad or what have you. I have my huge concerns over some of the side effects. Looks like fertility issues. I just read a study today on uh, higher incidences of cancer after uh, the vaccine due to some ways that it modifies the immune system. It seems to make sense to me. But the biggest thing is this idea that they're going to mandate this stuff and tell people if you don't do it, you're going to lose your job. I'd love, to, I'd love to hear your advice. I've been telling people if you are threatened with it and you know you're not going to do it, do not resign. Make them terminate you. And I think every lawyer with an earshot should be creating some of the biggest class actions we've ever seen. I don't know if they can win, but like this whole we'll let you resign thing to me seems like it only benefits the employer or if it's a government, you know, it only benefits the government as an employer. I, I ran companies for most of my life. The, the person that benefited me the most when one of my employees resigned versus me terminating was me. And and I don't see this idea that we'll just, well, I'll just quit because you told me I have to making sense. And I think it puts us on firmer ground. And I, I do think that if people do that, they're going to cave on that too, because I could have never run one of my companies with 30% of my workforce gone. I just <laughs> couldn't have done it. Yeah, it, it's, it, the mandate is a good uh, word to use to point out where the problem is. Uh, because if you have a business and you're the boss, uh, you will give mandates. But you might uh, not might be conditioned if you're a big company and you get a contract with the government and the government tells you you will make these mandates and you will, uh, you know, monitor and you will give us all the private information or we will ruin you because uh, we'll make sure you, you can't get a loan again and you don't have uh, you know, access to uh, uh, other government facilities. We'll, and we'll kick you off the GS schedule, yeah, whatever, right? That, that whole thing. And so it, what we want to do is get rid of the mandates uh, in, in medicine. That's what you want to do. You want to get rid of it uh, because, uh, you know, I, uh, my position is that I'm not, I don't, we even talked about this today on our program, but uh, I'm not, to, I'm not doing this program to get rid of vaccines. Uh, you know, uh, that isn't it. What I want is a choice on the vaccine. I, I took the polio vaccine back when I was in college and, and that wasn't even an issue. 
uh, you know, it wasn't a ma major decision. So, uh, but but it's it's a, the decisions should be made by the individual himself, and that's what medicine is about. I talk a lot about free market medicine, and that uh, the doctor-patient relationship is what you want to restore, because uh, the other word that I like to use is voluntarism, and. Oh, well, that sounds very good. You know, uh, if you come to my house, uh, if uh, if I know you and want you to come in, I open the door and you voluntarily come in. <laughs> but voluntarism is, can solve a lot of problems. All your associations should be voluntary. But that isn't the way they see it. You will do this and you will associate with this person and that person. And they they control you by eliminating this whole concept of voluntarism. And that's the way it should be with vaccines. People who want the vaccines, they can take them. There should be no prohibitions, but there should be no mandates either. I agree. And what, another thing that's really bothered me in, in, in the recent year and a half has been watching medical doctors, PhDs, et cetera, make the intellectual cases, you know, maybe that not everybody needs this vaccine or what have you, or maybe that some people shouldn't take it. And having them silenced by, you know, like, Basically, interns at social media. I when I watch your son on the on the floor of the Senate be told he doesn't understand science and medicine, and I knew know full well you yourself are a medical doctor. He's a medical doctor. This just doesn't jive for me. Like to me, the the entire point of science, because science has now been presented to us as a authority versus what's like science is a process. It's not an authority. I actually read a paper out at MIT that said it was a problem. That we, us you know, normal free thinking people think science is a process. We don't see it as an authority. I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. And if you look at this scientifically, we should be having vigorous academic debate. I've heard a lot of things about hydroxychloroquine. I've heard a lot of things about ivermectin. What I haven't seen is two professionals in a professional environment debate the issue at a professional level. I've seen talking heads shrieking on, on media. But I haven't seen, you know, two people, well-informed. And I think without that rigorous debate, we don't have science and we don't have true academia. We have basically like a cult of modern personality. Yeah, you know, I think you put that very well because in medical school as well as my residency, there was a lot of debates. Matter of fact, debates are what we look forward to because we didn't have a couple of professors and they had some disagreement on how you treat people, uh, you know, the details of it. And for them to get up in an academic setting, we, we really enjoyed hearing those debates. And even as a resident, I can remember there were two drugs that had come out had to do with stopping, uh, stopping labor and the pros and cons of that. So uh, they would assign uh, one, uh, one position on one doctor and something on another. I remember participating in those things. And that's what, <clears throat> that's what science should be about. And you make that point. We should be talking about that. The one thing for sure is having a bureaucrat who's never seen a patient in his life dictating all the rules and regulations, what all the other doctors can do and punish you if you don't do it and you can lose your job over it. It, uh, it is really bad. And uh, I, I think the doctors are starting to speak out. This, uh, this meeting that they just held in Rome, uh, there's over 4,000 people now that are just doctors who are saying enough is enough. We're not going to put up with this. Uh, they they uh, needed to be reminded of the Hippocratic oath and and uh, and, and how how that works. But but the the one word for me 
is the, the issue of volunteerism to solve. How do you, how do you solve this problem? <clears throat> somebody has this desire. Somebody has this desire. Well, we'll, we'll decide on which church we're going to go to. Yeah, no. Everybody has their own choice. It's voluntary. You can't have one answer to that. You can't have one answer for medical care or social reasons or sexual reasons or anything. Everything has to be voluntary, and both sides have to have an agreement. That's what all good economic policy deals with, is they come together, and there was a long time in history where it was thought in economic policy that one person benefited at the other person's injury, the other person's sacrifice. And it turned out, well, somebody figured out, no, both sides agree. You know, I want the money and you want the substance and we volunteer, we make the exchange and both people win. And that's so much different than believing that somebody has to have to has to lose and somebody else wins in social things. That's, that's the way it should be as well. And we should learn more often how to deal with other countries in that same fashion, because we're imperfect and a lot of imperfections around the world. And there's no reason in the world why we should be uh, dictating uh, the answer to all their problems. And uh, if we have a better system, if we have a free market system and we're doing very, very well, we can't use our thuggery to go around and invade their countries and say, you will be like us. What you want to do is uh, persuade people and do it by setting an example and saying, look at what you can have. And, and that's a, a voluntary system. And that's what we need. And we could solve Everything that's gone wrong in these last two years, especially, could be solved by both sides agreeing that it should be voluntary and get rid of the authoritarians who think they're God themselves. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with a business that on its own accord, not because it's strong armed by government, says we want people to wear masks when they come in. I'm not going there, but I don't have a problem with them doing it, right? Oh. I don't have a problem with any of that stuff because it's their business that they pay to put up. They take the risk. And I, I'm a big believer, like you are, in markets. I believe if you let markets market, you'll either have one solution become dominant or you'll create basically parallel economies and people that like to do business this way will do business over here and people that like to do business that way do business over there. We don't have somebody come to our house every day and tell us what pants to wear. You're wearing you know, kind of business casual. I'm wearing a gulag T-shirt, right? We, we didn't have anybody come tell us how to dress today. We, we can actually figure these things out for ourselves, but we end up with this like umbrella argument over it's for safety and public health. And then somehow you and I are terrible people if we don't conform. And I think that the entire apparatus is not turned at convincing everybody of the thing they want, but actually dividing people so that we spend our energy battling each other instead of realizing like, We don't have to fight each other. If you want to live with three masks on and a anal swab up your butt 24 hours a day, I'm fine with that. Just please give me the courtesy of allowing me to choose my life my way on my own. And I think that's that's why your message hit people. When you ran for president, I, I think probably you were even surprised, especially at how many young people like piled on. I like one of the reasons you gave me hope wasn't just what you were doing. I would look at one of your rallies and I'm like, All those people are like 20. And I had like given up on the, you know, I was in my mid thirties. I was making things happen. I was making money. I had people like that working for me that I felt like, Oh my God, I have to make you, I have to like make you do your work. And I saw these people charged up and I would go speak at things like Liberty Forum and stuff like that. And people would come up to me and they would say, you really got to me. And Dr. Paul got to me. And these, these were kids in my view. 
And I think that like, that's because this is like intrinsic to who we are and what we are, the concept of liberty. And those kids, as young as they were, they had less indoctrination. And I think you hit a spark with them. And I think there's a whole generation now of guys that are like my age back then. They're, they're the movers and shakers today. And they do give me a lot of hope. Yeah. And I was surprised a lot of times I'd walk into a large crowd. Like, Where did these people come from? You know, because when I started, I did have a specific goal because I didn't, I wasn't running for Congress at the beginning. It was after the breakdown of Brent Woods. I decided I want to speak about money because it's a fascinating issue and it's related to the issue of of freedom. So I just wanted to speak out and, uh, and there was nobody wanting to run for Congress, uh, back then as a Republican. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run. Uh, she said, what do you want to do that for? I said, I just want to speak out. I said, I said, uh, uh, you, you know, it's because I think this is important. And she says, well, that could, that could be dangerous. I said, how could it be dangerous? She said, you could end up getting elected. And uh, I, I told her, no way, they're not going to elect me. So that's where I started. Even when I went, I said, I just just want to do what I said I'm going to do. And I'm going to see see if I can at least for a year or two or as long as they'll let me do it. A couple of years just sort of set what I think is a standard for trying to follow the principles of liberty and the Constitution. So that that is the way it started out. And even for the first four, five, six years, I would go to the college campuses and sometimes I got 15 or 20 people to come out. And I thought, and that's what I thought was the, uh, the, the opportunities I would have because, uh, most, it was, it was just not a big audience there. But then when this campaign started, uh, the presidential campaign, the thing that I, I was most uh, pleased with, I have to admit it, was the crowd I got at, at Berkeley. I think we had 8,000 people there. There's, not like uh, not like a Donald Trump rally, but it was really significant because of the nature of and the reputation of Berkeley. But I gave them this exactly the same message as I would to talk to Democrats, liberals, libertarians or Republicans. You know, it was always the same thing. There's always something in there for everybody because I am. And the main thing is, is I am so convinced that a free society has so much to offer that it's a shame that we don't do a better job in selling it to the people and encouraging people. And that's why I had actually, uh, they, I get a lot of compliments from young people. I said, well, you're the ones that encourage me because you're excited about it. So that's, uh, that, that was, that was the way, the way it worked for me. And, uh, I, I think that uh, everybody has a responsibility if they have any beliefs or convictions to get as well educated as you can about how the market works. And then uh, Leonard Reed taught me, he was the head of the Foundation for Economic Education. He says, get knowledgeable on something. He said, you won't have to worry ever about finding people to talk to. He says, eventually they'll come to hear you. And uh, it, it, it was it was more of a less just an encouragement because if you go by how many people, uh, so everybody can find one person or 10 people or 20 people. You've started a program, what, 15 or 20 years ago, and you've been doing it ever since, and you're talking about these issues. So that's what's good. Everybody has that responsibility. So so often after a rally, people would come up, young people come up and say, okay, tell me what I should do. I agree with you. And I said, do whatever you want to do. Is it whatever you're comfortable with? Write a book, run for office, help somebody else in office, 
or, or whatever you want to do, uh, just do it. Uh, and there's a, there's a place for everybody. And sometimes you don't think you're doing much, and sometimes you're doing a lot more than you realize. Yeah, I think one of the places I'm encouraged, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, we have a huge problem with censorship today. Uh, if the master's over at Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, who knows, I might get, I might get my third strike today because we talk, we dared talk about COVID, right? Um, and we dared talk about vaccines. We didn't even say anything negative. We just said we shouldn't be forcing them on people. I might, I might be done today. Who knows? Um, but alternative social media seems, and I don't even call it alternative anymore. Basically, I refer to them as legacy social media. And I think that that's something that, that young people really excel at is all building these new platforms. Some of them are being developed on blockchain. So they're immutable and they can't be censored. They're censorship proof because it's one thing to be able to come out in a port, court of public opinion and say, this is the other side of, of, of the issue. These are the things you didn't know. Did you know that like, I don't know, the inventor of the mRNA technology says you should use some considerations before you use it because it really wasn't designed to be used in mass this way. Like I'd say he's an expert and not be shut down because being shut down, it, it denies it, it. See, I think it's two. It's two offenses. One, if it's me or you, it, it denies us the ability to speak. But the bigger offense is it denies anybody that wants to hear it the ability to hear it. That's actually the larger offense. And we need to be like really pounding on ways we can make sure that we don't have our voices silenced, not for us, but for everybody speaking and for everybody listening. You know, um, book burning has been around for a long time because if people see a challenge, especially the authoritarians uh, are the ones who burn, burn books because they, they, they want their power and their authority to run other people's lives. So the book burning do doesn't work only temporarily. It's an evil thing to do. Uh, and I just don't think that they can. I don't, I'm not a very, I'm not very knowledgeable on technology on internets and all, but I really believe in it. And it's a mess. I mean, social media is a, you know, a, a, a big problem, but I, I think it's big and I use it and, uh, we, we have some problems, but I think, I give a lot of credit to the people who know a lot more about that technology because my staff can tell me, well, you know, you can do this. You could put stuff over here, over here. And, uh, I don't, uh, I, I have, I, I like it when people say they can't close down the internet, you know, uh, so they, they can put obstacles in there and there will be problems, but basically it's a tool. They couldn't, they burn books, but they, they could find another piece of paper and write another book. So I think uh, I think there's going to be technology that's going to be able to uh, allow us to keep going and present our case because I never dreamed that I could reach so many people, uh, you know, uh, uh, just in my own little office here in Lake Jackson, you know. And uh, one day, uh, not too long ago, I had an interview, not not on my channel. I won't try, try to say my channel is that big, but you know, I did an interview with somebody and they they kind of. Over a million people watched it. Where did they come from? And that wasn't even, I don't know whether, I don't know whether that was in, that probably was on YouTube. Who knows how they got distributed, but there are a lot of different ways it can be distributed. So I think, I think that's there. And I think that the most important thing is there, you have a message that's powerful. And, uh, I, I think, you know, going back to my wife's comments, I said, she said, uh, no, you're going to win. 
And I said, well, why is that? She says, because my argument was you can't kill Santa Claus and get win. She says, they're going to know you're telling the truth. And uh, a lot of people have mentioned that to me. A lot of people, supporters in my district, so often they would come up because I was challenging the status quo. And they would come up and say, Ron, I like what you're doing. I disagree with you on this and I disagree with that. But you know what? You always tell us the truth. We know where you stand. So I think truth, because you can't get two people. Uh, most times spouses don't agree on every issue, you know. So you, you, there's a lot of disagreement. It's this volunteerism that you have to have to emphasize. But what the people want is somebody to tell them the truth. And what is really, really absent today uh, in our whole system is nobody's believable. Almost nobody. There's a few up there that are believable. But uh, no, truth truth is uh, not very readily available. So if if nothing else, people need to grasp some basic principles and just uh, go out and talk to people or write to people, whatever you're capable of doing, and give them a truthful message. And don't worry. The, the, the last thing I ever worried about, I was never motivated for a second to get to go to Congress, stay a long time, and uh, become a committee chairman. You chairman of the banking committee and get rid of the Fed. Never, ne never that. Uh, but it, uh, it, but I ended up staying a lot longer than I ever thought. But I never had to worry about it. You know, I never, I never had the lobbyists coming and bugging me and this sort of thing. But uh, I was always delighted when uh, I, one of the things that excited me the most is uh, after after I, uh, I gave a speech once. There was a, they said, there's a young man out there with his mother. He wants to meet you. I said, okay, send him in. And here he had come across what I was doing. He's 14 years old, and he wanted to talk about the Federal Reserve. And he really understood the Federal Reserve. And uh, I said, and then he introduced me to his mother because he came across my stuff. He influenced his parents to come around to understand it. And I said to him, I said, you know what? You understand the Federal Reserve System better than almost everybody here in the Congress. So keep up your good work. Yeah, I think if we could educate enough people about what the Fed is and what the Fed does, that alone would end the Fed. It's, right. it's an education <laughs> thing. I do want to thank you for, like, your integrity over the years. Like, there are very few people that serve in elected office, especially at, you know, high-level national, that are uncompromising in their principles. Like, you have to be compromising to do politics. There's times where you have to give some to get some in, in making deals. That's a thing. But being uncompromising in your principles and never straying from those principles. Um, I would put people like your son in that category, uh, someone who I disagree with on a lot of things, but I feel like she is that with Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Right? There are people even on you know, the other side of an issue that at least I believe that they believe the words coming out of their mouth. And I think that... I think that does resonate with people. I think it's really resonating with what they're calling Gen Z, the real young group, the next generation, you know, my grandson's generation coming up right now. And I'm hoping they're the strong men in the fourth turning and not the last, you know, the fourth turning of the weak men finally bringing everything down. But my gut is that, that they're, they're the group that's going to be that group of strong men that restore things. Um, you promised me 30. You gave me 31 so far, so I want to be <laughs> respectful of your time. But uh, let people know how they can get the Liberty Report and anything else that you want to say here at the end. The floor is yours, sir. Well, uh, I do a report. Uh, it's live streamed at 11 uh, a.m. Uh, Central Time. And uh, 
Daniel McAdams is a co-host on that. He worked with me in Washington a lot. Is a is a very knowledgeable on foreign policy. But uh, but we report every single day when we have the internet open and all the technology is working, and that's where to go. Ron Paul, uh, LibertyReport.com, and catch us there. And if you don't don't turn it on when we're live streaming, it's available on our website. Could I ask you one more quick one? You are, if my math is right, 86 now. You're still out there making things happen every day. You're still doing this work every day. I, I, I assume, think about it. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I suppose that, you know, you've done well enough for yourself that you don't really have to do this. You're doing this because you're motivated to. What keeps you going at this point in your well, life that you, I, you won't I shut up? <laughs> I have, no, you're wrong. I have to do it because oh. if, if I didn't do it, I would be saying, why aren't I doing that? Why okay. am I not doing it? <laughs> I meant financially, you don't have to do it. You're doing it because you're no, mission driven. No, no, I don't have to, have to do that. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, if I do it because uh, I enjoy it, uh, I do it because I actually don't think that, you know, I studied, I do it and I have the answer. It's, it's something to, to me. It's, we talked a little bit about in medicine. Medicine is an ongoing operation to learn and 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 uh, expand your knowledge. And that's the way that I look at this too, because there's a different issue every day. And how do you apply uh, the principles of liberty uh, to the different problems? So to me, and I, this is the one thing I say to to a crowd that after I've spoken, because the interesting thing is, if I speak for an hour, the first 45 minutes is really, you know, I lay it out there. You're gonna you're gonna be in big trouble, deficit exploding, and you know all that kind of stuff. The last 15 minutes, I talk about the about the uh the positive things and uh and they and it's interesting that a lot of people when they come up to me and they say i like me i like to hear you speak because you're you're so optimistic and i thought well you know yes i am optimistic but most of my speech was trying to wake you up and uh, it's i think it's information rather than saying that i'm being real pessimistic but i think i i think Telling the truth is important, and then uh, where I really believe uh, that I, I'm totally convinced of is if we want to live in a better system of government uh, and have better uh, conditions for everybody, you have to understand the basic principle of personal liberty and responsibility. Well, Dr. Paul, thank you so much. This was definitely a highlight in 13 years of doing this podcast. I appreciate you being with us today. Thank you very much, and I recommend everybody get over to uh, the Liberty Report and check out what you're doing on a daily basis. Thank you very much, sir. Very good. Nice to be with you. Well, it'll be a shorter episode today because I only had Dr. Paul for 35 minutes, and uh, that was five minutes more than he promised. And uh, he's a very busy guy, and I think it was very gracious of him to agree to appear on our podcast today. And, again, I thank him, and I thank uh, Chris over the uh, Chris over at Dr. Paul's operation that uh, reached out to us and helped arrange this meeting. Uh, again, that was one of my highlights in 13 years of doing TSPC. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you, if you like the show and the work that we do, one of the ways you can help support us, just do your online shopping at tspaz.com. No matter what you buy, if you're going to shop online, just go to tspaz.com uh, first and start your online shopping there. And no matter what you buy, you will help us out. Uh, you can also check out the items that we've reviewed. I usually have an item of the day today. Since I went fishing yesterday, I brought around an item of the day today that has to do with fishing. I also brought it around because it is on sale. It's the Spider Wire Wolf Tackle Bag. Um, this bag is amazing, and I don't, I don't say that lightly. Um, when it comes to fishing gear, 
it's one of the things that I get really anal about. Like I really look for the best that I can get for the money. I'm I'm not a guy that's going to go out and fish for you know one and a half pound bullhead catfish with with a thousand dollar reel and rod setup. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But I want quality for the money. And when it comes to my gear, I want to be able to take everything that I want everywhere that I go. I want it to all fit. Um, this bag is almost like it's almost like magic. Like you start pulling stuff out of it, you're like, how does that all fit in there? Uh, the 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 line minders for uh, winding line on your reel are probably worth owning alone. It's comfortable to carry. It fits behind a truck seat. If you look at the video with uh, my write up on it, I think you'll be blown away at how much I'm able to fit in there, including three full length collapsible telescopic rods. Uh, I don't always fish with those, but you know they're there. When I when I'm you know like driving down the road, like oh look, there's a place maybe I could try fishing there. Like this bag has just been the best tackle bag that I have ever owned, and frankly that I've ever actually seen in real life. Maybe something better exists, but I've been to I go to tackle shows and sportsman shows and stuff like that whenever they come to town. Uh, I look at stuff all the time, and since I found this bag like four years ago, it's become like okay, when will I find something better? And, and I haven't yet, and I'm not. You know, I'm not super loyal to the Spider Wire brand or anything like that. It's not a fanboy thing. It's just I looked at the bag, I looked at some video reviews of it. I'm like, this seems like a pretty good deal, and uh, I, I like I'll give it a shot. And I ordered one, and then it just became the de facto like Spearco standard for tackle bags. So if you're looking for a way to make your tackle more mobile, be able to go places and and keep it all organized, check this thing out again. It's a Spider Wire Wolf tackle bag. And it is on sale today for $42.50, uh, which is a heck of a deal on an already great product. But you can help us out no matter what you buy doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. All right, so time for our song of the day and our reveal and an announcement all at once. So if you usually skip right to the song of the day, do not do that today because you're going to find out who the channel was based on last week. And you're going to get an announcement about what's coming going forward. I've made a decision after doing Miyagi Mornings for almost a year and having it grow into what it grew into, that it's time to, to, to stop doing that particular series that particular way. So it is done. And I feel like I've done some really good things with it, and I'm not going to stop doing live streams, and I'm not going to stop that extra level, and I'm not going to stop doing something cool and different. I'm just going to do something new. And, and so Friday last week, because I was going to be off yesterday like I was and leave you with a rewind, um, I did a back porch live stream. And it was kind of the second or third one of those I've done recently under different names and auspices and stuff like that. I did the Black Porch, Back Porch Bloody Marys when Dorothy was out of town. That went like over four hours and what have you. And I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. And I think it's important that not only do I do great content for you, but I also enjoy it. So I started thinking, I've been trying to take Fridays off. I've been I'm doing that for a couple of months now. But honestly, I'm working harder than I've ever worked because I'm trying to do a Miyagi Mornings, which has turned into like, almost a full podcast by itself, plus a podcast every day, and then consolidating the Miyagis into a podcast on Friday. And what was designed to lessen my workload did give me a day off, but it it, it has me working harder, and I've got some stuff going on in my life that's pretty stress-filled right now. Uh, I've got it under control, but like when that hit between the injury and this family issue, and it hit all at once, it showed me how far out I was pushing that. So what I'm going to start doing, I'm going to call it Outback with Jack. 
And it's in a lot of ways, it's going to be like the podcast I did if you're really an old-timer. If you're around in 08, 09, when I was doing the show for my car, and a lot of times I would have, I would teach a subject, but there was a lot of times also instead of teaching a subject, I would kind of do highlights of current events and things like that, things that were going on, things that people wanted me to comment about, and I might cover five or ten items in a 45-minute show. And it was just like, I had a bullet point list, like this thing happened, Ask Clown A said this, and Ask Clown B said that. And I'd go through it, and I'd give you kind of the no-bullshit-jack version of it. In a lot of ways, it's what made this show a success. So the thing about that, it was it was kind of amped up with energy because I was weaving in and out of traffic and trying not to get killed by trucks and stuff like that in my little Jetta. Uh, this will be the laid-back version of that. And that's going to let me, all through the week, basically set up all the show notes, And every time something comes in, I'm like, I want to talk about that. I'll just add it as a bullet point. And that means Friday morning, when Dorothy goes to pick up the kids, I'll just be able to hit go, be out on the back porch, have the camera set up and everything. And once I say goodbye to her until she comes back with the kids, I will just live stream. It'll probably take me about 30 minutes to live stream through those bullet points. I'm going to kind of rapid fire them like I did back in the day. And then I'll probably take about 30 minutes more uh, where I'll hang out there in the live stream, people that are there watching it or whatever can ask me questions, say, say more about this, or Jack, you're a jerk because, or whatever, and we'll, we'll have some convo going back and forth. And then it will take me minutes, literally, to crank that into an MP3 and put it out in the feed, and I'll be done for the day. So I won't not work on on uh, Fridays, but I should be done by 9.30 in the morning on Fridays. Give me the rest of the day spent with my grandkids and my wife. And part of this is I want to take some of the load off of her with the homeschooling. Because I'm learning more and more about, you know, you can homeschool a 5-year-old and you homeschool a 10-year-old, and both of them are not that hard. But trying to see to the needs of one when the other one's pulling at you, I had to do that a couple of days where Dorothy was gone. And I got a new respect for what she's doing. And I just want to be able to help a little bit more. And I just want to spend more time with them. What's the point of working so hard to have a business like this if I can't also leverage the freedom to be with my family? So that's why I'm doing that. And so that's coming. And I think it's going to be really cool. And I think it might actually be kind of a a refresh button in some ways for the show. So hopefully you guys will uh, appreciate it. And if you miss the live streams, because they're going to be early Fridays for now, that's the plan for now. I mean, everything can change. It won't matter. There's Those are still going to go out in the pod. So if you listen to audio right now, they're still going to go out in the podcast feed. So Fridays will still have a show. That will just be the show. And it'll just be something I can wrap up really quick. And if you think about it, it's how TSP was in the beginning because I got to my office, I uploaded the show, and I went on and worked for the rest of the day. So that now I'm going to upload the show and go screw off with my grandkids for the rest of the day. All right, with that, let's go ahead and talk about our song of the day. And the other thing I want to do is give you the... Uh, The, the the Pandora channel from last week, which is also going to be cool with what I just told you. So what I'm going to start doing now is Monday through Thursday, I'll have a song, and we'll try to guess the Pandora channel until I run out of Pandora channels. We'll go back to doing something else with music. And then on Friday during the live stream, I'll tell you what the, the, the Pandora channel is based on, and I'll give you the link like I have for you today. So last week, I needed chill out music because I needed to chill out. I had Leader of the Band by Dan Fogelberg. I had Summer Breeze by Seals and Croft. And I had Fire and Rain by James Taylor. And you're looking for the band. And this one shouldn't have been that hard if you know music from this time frame and of this kind of like folk music type 
uh, thing, except you may have gotten it wrong because you may have left one of the artists off. There's four artists. You got it yet? Four artists that make this band. What are they? Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Right, So this is a channel based on Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You can clone my Pandora channel. This is a fairly well-trained channel, probably worth doing if you like that kind of music. Uh, the link to do so is in today's show notes. So now, what about today? I promise more upbeat, a little bit more contemporary music today for you guys. And um, this, uh, I'll try to give you some clues. Um, the artist this channel is based on, was still big in the 90s, a little bit early 2000s, I think, but really heyday, late 70s through the 80s, okay? Uh, it's an artist, but you could also take it as a band if you added something to the artist's name. That's a pretty big clue, especially if you start hearing the music that you're going to hear coming from this channel. Today's song of the day is Slide by the Google Do Goo Goo Dolls, Okay? And think, who would this channel be based on? And uh, we'll try. I'll try to make sure there's a good variety of music. I think this is one people can guess. Remember, this isn't a contest where you win anything. Pandora is not sponsoring the show. I've just been doing songs of the day for like four years now. Uh, John Adams has been really great about helping me with the music programming, and I, I just wanted to do something a little bit different. I, don't, I think if we're not occasionally making some things a little bit different around here, we're not going to stay fresh. And I thought this would be a fun way to do things. I know like a lot of you guys don't use Pandora, but if you do, I thought it would be a cool way for me to share some of my channels with you. Um, this channel is probably five years old. Uh, I've been training it for about five years. Pandora's cool. If you've never used it, you can thumbs up, thumbs down music, and it keeps making associated songs in your station and becoming more and more uh, in tune with what you're looking for when you create that. So, again... Artist, big in the 70s, huge in the 80s, still was around in the 90s with some real authority. Um, associated song, Slide by the Google Dolls. And remember, when I'm doing this, I will never play a song by the artist the channel's based on. You'll have to figure it out by the associated artist. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Could you whisper in my ear? Things you wanna feel, I give you anything to feel it coming. Do you wake up on your own? I wonder where you are, live with all your faults. I wanna wake up where you are. I won't say anything at all, so I don't The life you 